This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Your work technology should help your organization run better. Monday.com is an intuitive platform designed to help teams of all sizes work better together and maximize results. With Monday.com, you can easily customize your workflows to fit your team's exact needs and create automated updates to keep everyone up to speed in real time. Experience the power of a single platform that replaces your costly tech toolbox and the headache that comes with it. To start your 14-day free trial, go to Monday.com. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. <laughs> he feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hi, welcome. This is a special edition of That Millwall Podcast. This episode is a roundtable. It's our first attempt at doing a roundtable. And we've got two new faces, what you'll see and hear very, very shortly. Um, We're going to go through about six or seven topics, uh, hopefully tonight. And we're going to put the worlds to rights. Uh, it's an open discussion, and hopefully everyone will be honest and upfront, and hopefully have you shouting on your walking the dog or driving the car. So remember, if you do want to get involved after the show, then please get involved through the comments, through various social media access, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, etc., etc., etc. So without further ado, let's welcome my partner in crime, my co-host, um, my podcast partner. It is the one and only Omar. I contemplate leaving myself on mute there just for the shits and giggles, but I know guys, I've already done right. it during, during, <laughs> during the pre-talk, mate. There you I go. was already on mute, so I thought, yeah, but I won't <laughs> do it through the show then. Sure you won't. How you doing, Mickey? You're all right. I look forward to this yeah, one, not, mate. Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, yeah, so am I. It's the first one, and uh, and I think the guests we've got on are, are quite lively and good. They're virgins to, to the podcast arena, so they'll be good fun. Um, this is... This intro now is probably going to be the most you'll hear of this person all night. Um, but it is the one and only, the football guru himself, Kai Bennett. Hello, mate. Looking forward to this. I'll try and speak a little bit more than 
the old Friday Night Lives, but I'll, I'll take it my best shot. We should have got your flag or something, do you know what I mean? We should have got your flag set around <laughs> so you could just jump on it, do you know what I mean? And uh, and get involved. But no, you'll, you'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. Um, right, so we've got, uh, we'll start with, if you watched us when we did Friday Night Live um, during COVID, there was uh, a person who always got involved, um, regularly watched us, got involved with drinking posh beer and posh lager. <laughs> Uh, it was the one and only Joe Zampa. Uh, how you doing, Joe? You all right? I'm good. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks for the introduction there. No, that's all right, mate. That's all right. It could have been a lot worse, but we keep it clean yes. for now because we want you back. So, um, yeah. And then without further ado, last but by no means least, it is uh, Chris who made contact for us through Twitter. Again, another uh, listener of the show. And welcome aboard, Chris. Thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, buzzing to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, that's right. Why does it sound like it's a it's a match signing day, doesn't it? We've got two new signings. <laughs> oh yeah, I've always supported you. I've always I've always <laughs> loved Millwall. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> right, without further ado, we're going to be straight back after this, and we're going to crack on with the first subject, which is going to be all about Rarit and how we think we probably progressed with him on board. Join us back straight after this. Welcome back then. So we're going to open the topic up on thoughts on Rowett and to throw it open a bit, I'm going to go to you, Joe, and ask you for your thoughts on Rowett and also um, have we progressed since he's been our manager? Um, I must say I've always been a, a bit of a Rowett fan. I know a lot of Mill supporters are a little bit divided sometimes, probably less so now. I think it's kind of proved... He's a decent manager, but at the beginning, certainly, I think there's a real kind of divide between some of the fans like him, some not particularly liking him. I think he was getting results, but probably not playing the best of football. Um, but ultimately, you've got to judge the guy on you know, results and where we finish at the end of the season. And, and when you think about you know where he's finished in the last sort of two or three seasons, he hasn't really finished much lower than uh, 12th, I think. I think his first season was after um, Harris just narrowly helped us escape relegation. I think we were 20, 20 for 21st at the time. So, you know, the short answer, Mickey, you're right. I think, I think he has, you know, helped us. I think we have progressed on the rally. We seem a lot more stable as a championship team now. I don't think, I don't fear relegation like I used to, like, you know, the last few seasons before that, you kind of fear, are we going to go down this season? Are we going to stay up? Whereas now I'm thinking, are we going to go up? You know, I'm sure I feel the same when next season he's still there. Yeah, five years now he's been at Millwall. Five or well, not five years he's been here. Three years he's been here. Sorry, five years we've been here. Five years we've been in the championship. Yeah. Um, Omar, your thoughts on on Rowett as a manager, and do you think we've progressed under him? Uh, my thoughts on Rowett nine games ago are probably different to now. No, I'm joking. I think, of course, like you've got to give me credit where it's due. I think Joe's hit the nail on the head there. You know, when it was obviously struggling season under Harris, Harris took us as far as he could and testament to the man you know he obviously came in and kind of made it clear that you know he's going to try and progress us and it's always not so much with Harris I felt like the mentality was get to 46 points get to 50 points and try and see where we go from there whereas with Rarit it's always a lot of positivity obviously at times it's quite difficult when you know you're struggling at times um, but I think we was overdue this kind of obviously the eight games unbeaten we had and it has kind of cemented him I think and who knows I mean hopefully he stays in for a little, a little while longer and we'll see where we go with him. Chris, what's your thoughts on on Rowett 
Um, obviously, being at Millwall for what third season now, and also, do you believe we progressed uh, under him? Yeah, well, when he when he took the job, he said he had a three year plan to get us into the playoffs. I remember him. I remember him saying that. And you know, who knows? We'll we'll, we'll have a conversation about that later. I'm sure. But I, I think we have progressed. I think um, in 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 many different ways. I think the the budgets we have now, the player, the, the caliber of player that we're able to attract, whether people think they're better than what we were able to attract before, is is a different matter. But the the caliber of player that I think we're able to attract. Um, so I, I think we have progressed under him. Um, I guess my concern is, I believe he's on a rolling contract, I think. Um, so I'm not sure what the summer brings for him. Obviously, with Alex coming in as well, who knows where that takes us. Um, and obviously, I think there's going to be a lot of player turnover in the summer as well, whoever is the manager. So it'd be really interesting to see how that pans out. But I think it's not always pretty. I think we can all agree on that. It's not the most attractive of football. Uh, but I do think we've progressed under him. And um, I would personally be happy to see him um, oversee the summer changes. I think ultimately it's obviously a like results-based business and he's getting doing the business for us. And I agree with Chris Dad. I think you mentioned obviously recruitment. I think it's it is kind of he's shoehorned into this kind of recruiting these people he knows, Chris, if that makes sense. You know, obviously Bennett, Malone, plays he's worked with before, Bennicophobi, Ryan Woods obviously was one of his top signings when he first came in as well on loan. Uh, do you think obviously with Aldo coming in, you mentioned there, do you think we're gonna try and steer away from a contact logbook of what Rowett has and maybe try to get an identity of what we're trying to do going forward? I mean, I'd like to think so. Uh, Berylson come out, didn't he, and said that, you know, the, the January transfer window, which obviously didn't materialise, but the summer, we're going to go in a slightly different direction. We, you know, we're going to be looking at the, the European market. We're going to be looking at younger, more sort of agile, nimble players. So I guess we'll see what happens. But we were saying in the pre-show, I think we've got seven or eight players ourselves out of contract, plus all of the loan players. Um so I think there is going to be a real big player turnover. I would like to see us go in a slightly different direction, um, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right, Kai. Rao is a manager. And, hang on, hang on, calm down. I know you want to get there. Rao is a manager, and obviously, how have we progressed under him? And then once you've spoken, we just have a general chit chat about Rao. Obviously, you know, both. You know, what what are his pluses and negatives? I suppose as him as a manager over the last two, three seasons. Go on, Kai. I, th I think we have. I think we have progressed under Gary. Um, he's quite a... Some of the things that he does in-game, maybe you question. Um, I've questioned him a couple of times, but then listening to either his post-match or he's coming out or something else you listen to, whatever. He, he makes a lot of sense. I think he's quite a tactical genius in that way, where when he does something, he, he has a reason behind it. And it does... Even though it might have not gone as well as hopefully it was planned, it does often make a lot of sense what he says that the other day he said about I was questioning why he didn't bring Tyler on against uh, Borough he brought Zach Lovelace on and he said oh because there wasn't enough space in behind the Borough defence therefore he wanted a more of a physical striker that could hold it up which made a lot of sense I, I was thinking you know I want Tyler to see Tyler come on stretch him but when he, when he said that you sort of think actually that makes sense and maybe you know since he came in I think he's definitely transformed us into a team where teams come to us now and we're actually not really confident maybe getting a result whereas before they would have been confident of maybe getting a result especially away from home we used to go to play teams away whereas now we're much more hard to break down uh, we you know we don't score as many goals as we might have liked to as we may, may like to but I still think we, we we have that attacking um I guess we're, we're dangerous when we go forward and the players he's brought in are exciting especially the players like Mason Bennett my question to you, obviously, around Rat, do you think he lost something 
Um, and I'll come to you first, Chris, on this. Do you think he lost something when Callum Davis left? Oh, there was a patch, wasn't there, when he left and it all seemed to go go Pete Tong. Um, Adam Barrett is, is an interesting one, I think, to throw into the mix with this conversation because there's a there's a lot of rumours about what he does or what he doesn't bring to the club. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in the know, so I can't comment. But I think he's an interesting one. Um, and from what I've what I've heard, Callum was kind of like the the man to man manager, if you like, the, the one that would put his arm around the player, like a, a Conor Mahoney, for example, that that quite clearly needs it, I guess. Um, and maybe we don't have that now. Um, and I think that one of the other topics we'll come on to later as well is about Danny Mack and, and sort of Rowett's relationships with people. Um, I think that's a really interesting one as well for us to dig into. I don't know what you guys think. Joe? Um, yeah, just agree with what Chris says there. I mean, I think Callum definitely had that connection with the players. It seems quite obvious that he had the engagement with the players. They seemed to kind of be motivated with him. I don't see Rowett as a, as a motivator. Um, and I don't see Adam Barrett as being someone who's who could kind of fill Callum's shoes either. Um, I think stylistically, they're both defensive coach coaches. I mean, you see Adam Barrett warming the players up before a game. He's there with the back four, you know, kick the ball so he's very defensive minded um but what Rowett lacks I think in that kind of personal uh, relationship with the players I think he makes up for it in his sort of psychology um the things he says you know in interviews the things he says to the players I mean you know what he did after the Fulham game was fantastic you know he told the players you know what let's enjoy ourselves get out there play with freedom let's see where it goes and we are on a massive winning streak and then after a little blip against Stoke the other week, um, he then comes out in the press. He starts saying about, well, you know, we've got eight games left. Let's just go out there and enjoy ourselves. Let's take every game as it comes. So little things like that, he says, I think kind of motivates the players in an indirect sort of way. So he's very, very good. And I think, you know, um, I mentioned it as well before about how he kind of looks up rather than looks down. So he always talks about, the, you know, the players, it's the teams above us who we're chasing rather than who's behind us. So, I said what he lacks probably in motivational skills. I think he makes up, you know, sort of with, with his kind of psychology, you know, and, and gets the players' minds. But you're right, though. I think we do lack that bit of a arm around the shoulder on, on a few of the players that might need it. I mean, on sorry, Kai, on that bit where you're sitting there saying, I mean, Kai's probably you best to come in there with. You have more access to Gary than what we do. Um, do you agree with that? That he's not possibly the the man manager what Callum was. No, he doesn't seem the sort of player, sort of person that would, um, I guess, have that what maybe that relationship with the players. Obviously, it could be wrong in that way, but the way he comes across, he's quite, um, he's always very serious. Um, he, he make a joke like the other day. I think what's very clever, what he does is very clever. Is as we were saying about the enjoy the enjoyment of football. The other day, um, someone asked him again about the playoffs. He always get he always gets asked about the playoffs every single game, and every single game won't talk about it. The other day, after the two 0 win against Huddersfield. He was some, uh, someone said to him, oh, Gary, is the playoffs on now? He went, I don't even know what division we're in. So he he, he almost relieves that pressure from the players. So I think in that way, he's got a good relationship with them in the way that he puts no pressure on them. But and I think Joe's right. That's that's very clever because it gets the it gets the players almost motivated to do well now and thinking, well, we, there's no pressure on us. We've, you know, we've, we've survived. There's no relegation fears. We're, we're going to be mid-table thereabouts if we don't go on. But can we give it a go? And I think that's what he's very good at. He's, but maybe not the one that would 
you know, put his arm around the shoulder and make sure they're okay. But he does it in other ways, I think. He makes up for it in other ways, is what, exactly what Joe said. But I'd like to see maybe a more attacking, attack-minded coach come in in the summer. Maybe someone, I don't know, when he first came in, I would like to see someone like Kevin Phillips. But I don't know now. I'm not, he's obviously worked with Gary before, but someone who's a bit more attack-minded, someone maybe who can also put their arm around the players. So maybe like a bit of a, quite a good, quite a good match that'll be, I reckon. Kai, something you said there sort of triggered a question for me. Um, there was quite a lot of hoo-ha when Alex Pierce was given another contract in the summer. Do you think there could be a kind of reason behind that then in terms of that relationship with the players? So he, although he's a player, I mean, he rarely plays, right? He's kind of that arm around the shoulder to some of the players. What do you think about that? No, I think you're. I think you're spot on. I think we've had this conversation a couple of times with, um, in the press box and stuff, and we think that Alex Pierce is that is that man. He, I think him and between him and Jed, and before he left, Matt Smith, I think they were the three that would really, uh, I guess, galvanise the group, really get them going, and and make sure they're all all okay. I think Alex Pierce has a a knack of when to be serious, when to be jokey. I think everyone respects him in that changing room. But same with Jed. Jed will probably after a, after a loss, he'll he'll go in, be fuming. But at the same time, he'll be able to reason with players. And I think Matt Smith was really good like that as well. Smudge had a really good relationship with the players. So you could always, he'd always talk his fellow you know, players up and that gave him confidence. So I absolutely agree. I think Alex Pierce was probably signed for that. And maybe even Smith the same. I think it's an interesting contrast because like, if you look at Rowett and we're talking about obviously motivating, like Harris would have his players running through like anything for him because he was that kind of personal character. And I think it is a shift, isn't it? I mean, Joe, you're nodding head, nodding out. I mean, obviously we're talking about Rowett and you're saying about, obviously, I think Kai called him a tactical genius. I mean, I don't know if I'll go to that extreme level, but I get where you're coming from, Kai, a bit there. I think with Harris, it was bog standard. He knew what Mill was about and he got Mill players to <clears> do the job for him and players would obviously talk really highly of him after he left. But I guess what I'm trying to get at, Joe, is maybe Rowett's a bit more with his pedigree and championship level and as such, so to speak, a bit more experience at this level as manage manager. Maybe he just has the know-how to operate at this level, I feel like. I think you're right. I mean, you, you said there about Neil Harris, who's very much a 4-4-2 guy. It's, really, it was, it's all about motivating players, being direct, being physical. Um, I mean, I saw some stats um, a while ago, and I think under Harris... Uh, players pick up a lot more yellow cards, a lot more red cards. Yeah, it's very, very physical about being direct, getting their faces, pressing high. Whereas Rowett is very different. Yeah, he wants his players to sort of sit deep, you know, catch them on, on the counter-attack. And it's it, it makes me laugh because sometimes, like, if you're watching them live, you're hearing fans behind you shouting at the forwards, why are you not pressing? Why are you not pressing defenders? But what they don't realise that these forwards, the likes of Afobi, Bennett, Bury, Jed. They've been told probably, you know what, don't press the defenders, let them have the ball there. As soon as they go, maybe, maybe it could be a, a, a plan, you know, when they go past the halfway line, then you then you press and win the ball, use the space behind them. But the Mill fans, bless them, they'll, they'll, they'll watch it and all they care about is they, they, want, they want fire. They want, they want to get in their faces, attack, press high, you know. And I feel sorry for the players because they're getting, you know, stick from the fans when they're actually probably carrying out a tactical plan from Rowett. And Rowett, and Rowett will change games. You know, you see him, he'll often go three at the back, then he'll go four at the back, and it's not working right, let's change it again. Whereas Harris never really had that, did he? I think the only time I saw Harris really, like, chuck the kitchen seat was against Luton, I think it was, away. Um, I remember that game. I think we were losing, and I think he put, like, four forwards on, didn't he? And we went, we went for it, and we, I think we scored or got an equaliser or something. So, but you never really see Harris kind of tinkering with tactics and formation. It's very much 4-4-2. This is how we play. Morrison Gregory press on them, 
kept getting their faces. And it's very, very basic, but it was very effective. You know, in that season when we finished eighth, I think we, we now missed out on the playoffs. But then that system and tactics didn't work the season after because obviously we struggled. And I mean, Morris was a lot older, so maybe couldn't quite carry out what Harris had him doing the season before. But I would definitely say with Rowett, he's got a much better um, tactical you know, mindset. You see him and Nan Barrett talking during the games and pointing at players and trying to change systems. They're always trying to find weaknesses in the opposition, how they can play, like you said, about Bury um, Kai. You know, why didn't Bury come on? Well, there wasn't the space to attack behind the fence. So there's always a reason. You know, and I, and I think knowing Rowett, like you say, Omar, being a bit more experience in the championship you've got to just kind of trust the guy and give him the respect and let him do what he thinks is the right thing to do you know I think one thing I will say I think is one thing we need to improve on though when I think about right sides and I suppose more in general at championship level we just don't score enough goals chaps I mean like obviously last couple of seasons I think to get into that playoff position was it this season 39 goals scored 36 against I think on the top of my head like I mean, that's clearly like, I don't know who wants to take the floor off this one, but that is like a serious issue that we need to address. And it's probably a tactical thing to it. But also, you know, we play against Huddersfield and we could have scored six or seven. And that's kind of like the benchmark. I felt like that performance a little bit for myself. What's interesting in that is uh, people always ask, what, what's changed? You know, what happened in those last few games? Why have we suddenly started scoring goals? You know, and is Rowett a genius? I don't think he was. I think in some ways he got a bit lucky. Um, I remember that game against Huddersfield. I think Burke got injured, didn't he? I think Bury came on. And something just happened. I think we, we, we counter-attacked them. I think with Bennett's pace and, and Bury's pace, we got in behind them. Um, and the phobia was, you know, was, I think the phobia was, was um, yeah, phobia was there as well. I think we, we looked strong, didn't we? We looked, we looked dangerous on the break. We had that pace. I think that started back in the QPR game, if I remember. I think that's when Burke yeah. got injured, wasn't it? QPR. That's right. And then I think Bury come on and suddenly... It would just, he was just scary. Like he was on on it, counter attacking them, and that system worked with Jed behind the two fast forwards. And suddenly we were creating chances and we we're scoring goals. Um, but then you see what happens: we lose Bennett. You know, Bury then goes out of form a little bit. Maybe it's just through through a bit of tiredness. We then have to bring the other players in, and suddenly the system changes again. And then we kind of lack that bit of you know attacking threat, if you like. You know. So it's very, very hard. You can only make do with the players you've got. But it's just interesting how it, it kind of clicked back then. But I, re- I really think Rowett was quite lucky because he kind of threw Bury on it. It suddenly just worked. So he thought, right, this is really good. Let's, let's keep this going for a few games, you know? No, I agree with that. I think, you know, and I think it probably, we move, <clears throat> we move on to, to the next subject because it probably ties in with this is, um, how do you think us having Aldo back is going to continue um, go for. I mean, Omar's been a, a vocal, um, you know, every week about how we Advocate, need to you can say. That was the word I was looking for, but for Advocate. some unknown reason, I, it I could not think of it. <laughs> that, that was the word I've I was looking for. I've got you, mate. I've right got there. you. <laughs> see, that's, that's, that, see, that's it. Thanks, fam. Um, too much top boy this week. That's what it is as well. So, yeah. Uh, do you get me? Calm. Um, <laughs> is, I must be saying, obviously, we need to have a direction in football rather than we let a manager come in, buy a load of players, the manager then goes, we're stuck with a load of players who don't necessarily fit into the to the new system. And then they're just, we're just trying to put, you know, round, round 
um, round plugs in square holes. They just they just don't work. So I mean, on on Aldo coming back, we'll go to you first, Kai. Um, what's your thoughts on Aldo on Aldo coming back? And also, do you think that having a a set direction of how we're going to play is going to be a benefit to Rowett potentially going forward? Or do you think this is pretty much putting the writing on the wall that Rowett might not be here for much longer? No, I think I think that's no, I think Aldo and Rowett can work really well together. I think Bustle came in, you know, they seemed to have a, as you said, a checklist of who they wanted. If it didn't fit it, it would come in. I think what Aldo would do is hopefully open up that European market. Um, hopefully. I mean he obviously worked with Harris for quite a while and we made some quite good sign. Okay, we did make some disastrous driving signings as well. We'll see Bob Vars and Scalak come to mind when I think about them. But then, you know, Cooper, uh, Bart, Jed, all these players that came in for very little fees, really. Um, and I think experience, he would he would have done well now. With, with a bit of experience, you know, Stoke coming away from maybe his boyhood club and working at a club that he had no affiliation to, really. It'd be quite interesting to see what he's like. And I think Gary will probably work quite well with that. I think, if they have a set, if they do have a set formation, he he will work quite well with it because I think his set formation right now obviously is a five. If they change that set formation, then he'll have to change his mindset a little bit. But once he gets gets round to it, I reckon it'll be quite good because he seems to be quite good with a set formation and playing players in that position and finding players to play round there. Like also, Millwall's quite well known for versatility. I think that will work well with a set formation as well because you've seen Leonard playing numerous amount of positions just to name one. If we do have players injured, you can always fill the gap with with a player that's maybe a bit more versatile. So maybe that might be sort of um, maybe the transfer uh, idea from now on. Try and sign someone from one one position, but can also play another position just in case you you lose someone. Chris, yeah, I, I'm. I think what will happen now with Aldo coming back is we'll we'll sign Stoke players instead of Derby players. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, joking apart, I think um, I think it's interesting because I think. Um, you can kind of see the direction we're trying to go in, right? With Smith and Budvarsa moving out, and they, they didn't replace them. Um, and they've, you know, as I love Smudger, I think I think he's a top bloke, but um, we, we've we've not really missed him. He wasn't the same player for me this season. Um, but I think we're investing heavily in the youth facilities, which I think is a good sign. Obviously, seeing Danny Mack and, and Billy Mitchell being integrated into the first team properly this year has been really good to see. And if we can complement that with a a more a wider breadth of 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 a talent uh, that Aldo can bring in. I think it can only be good for us. The one player I would just love us to sign is is that number ten. You know, like a is it is it um, uh, Styles that plays for is it Barnsley? Um, and there's mm-hmm. the lad. At, yeah, he's good. Yeah, and there's the lad at Coventry, isn't there as well? That I mean, kind of my hair. Who's the guy at Derby? Who uh, uh, the number ten at Derby? I can't remember his name uh, is now. Tom Lawrence. Yes, I Lawrence, yeah. I just, I just want us to sign someone, and, and I know yeah. Luke Freeman was meant to be a nice, cheaper version of of, of that that we brought in. But I just want to sign someone that can unlock the defense and, and create more chances. Because mm-hmm. going back to Omar's point, we've never scored many goals, and part of it is part of the tactics, absolutely the Row- the Rowett way. But I think part of it as well is we don't actually create many chances. Um, and I'd love to see that as well. So hopefully Aldo can bring that uh, bring that moving forward. I think you're right there. I think um, obviously as well with Aldo coming in, I just question, I, I'm happy that there's obviously a, a change in the, in the way we're going to be recruiting going forward. But I just wonder whether or not we should have had a, an older, wiser football head at that kind of level as well. I mean, I'm, 
I don't know who I'd throw out there, maybe a Neil Warnock, for example, or someone that's like wants to take a back seat, but kind of steer the ship a little bit in the background and could kind of bring that kind of the list of contacts, but also the experience of the game. Um, I just like, because I think on our boards, we're, we're always guilty of look at the players coming out of contracts and some players you'd probably want to keep around at the place as well. And it's, I think at times we lose players for free. The, obviously, the elephant in the room is Jed Wallace. And I think hopefully with Alder coming in as well, that can help shift that a little bit. But I do wonder, I mean, Joe, maybe you can elaborate on it a little bit for me, but like, what, what, how can we negate the kind of worries of losing Jed on a free transfer in the future, for example? Because he's probably going to go, right? Unless we go up, but I can't see anything else happening there. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, I'll be, I'll be cut to see Jed go. I think it'd be a massive um, loss for, for the club. I don't think we could actually replace him with anyone else. I mean, for us to go out in the market and replace him, we've got to spend a lot of money, which we haven't got. So to um, try and find someone to kind of fill those, those shoes can be very, very difficult. So I personally think he will go. What I can't quite understand is why won't Mill just throw money at him? You know, obviously, you know, you may not want to upset the apple cart on, on wages, but perhaps they could offer him a big signing on fee. You know, it's a financial thing. But then I don't think if maybe money's not quite the reason why he wants to leave. I think, he, you know, he wants to play in the premiership. Maybe he doesn't see that happening at Millwall. Um, over the next sort of year or two. But going back to um, to Aldo, I mean, I see it as quite a good appointment. I don't think he did too badly when he was here the last time. I mean, um, Omar, you probably know better than, than, than most of us on the players that he helped bring into Millwall. I'm, I'm sure people like Cooper were one of them, maybe Bradshaw, even was it Gregory before, they weren't quite sure it was, but he did bring some good signings in. Um, the experience he's had at Stoke would only make him even better um, for it, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, I believe he's a Millwall fan as well. So he's got that kind of passion to want to do extra well at Millwall. Um, and I, I think he could be he could be very, very handy for us this season. And let's be honest, this summer is going to be a massive, massive transfer ins and outs. Lots of players leaving, lots of lone players are going to be going back to their clubs. So this summer, it's going to be um, exciting. There's going to be lots of new players coming in. And um, hopefully, Aldo can uh, get his little, you know, little black book out and... Uh, recommend some 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 names i think um with uh obviously with aldo in particular i think he was quite good i think i remember harris credit him a lot for it um obviously the 23 signings we made so bury is one of them and also marlon romeo was a 23 signing we made initially yeah. that then kind of got his opportunities playing the squad and i think especially at league one level we've done well at picking up players that were on the downward trend but young players at the same time and then obviously even harry smith for example was another one kind of plucked out yeah. of nowhere and played a few games uh, and obviously kind of came into it um i mean chris obviously we we're saying obviously about departures lone players obviously that we've got at the club at the moment obviously a phobie one of them has obviously got nine goals a season would you keep a phobie and anyone else that maybe you'd try and kind of earmark to be here for next season i think context is key here because it depends on what comes with it so is a phobie because i would imagine a phobie's actual wage at stoke is beyond anything that we're paying anyone at the moment right so if it's to make him the highest paid player at the club, no, I wouldn't keep him. Whereas if he, if we can sign him on a free or a really sensible transfer fee and integrate him into our wage structure, then actually I would keep a phobie. I don't think he's the best player, but I think he's he can hold the ball up well. I think he's quite an intelligent player. Um, his finishing's a bit hit and miss, but I also think he's a good character to have around the club as well, from what I've heard. I think he's, he's a good bloke. Um, and I think he genuinely quite... Um, gets the kind of Millwall way. Um, so I, I personally quite like him. Shea Ojo is the interesting one for me because I, he was he was getting really good just before he got injured. He was, I think it was the Palace game. He was superb. 
against Palace. He was brilliant. Um, and then obviously got injured against Forest, I think it was. And he was having a great half in that game with Bradshaw. Um, and I believe he's out of contract in the summer as well. Um, what, what do you think, fellas? Like, would, would you keep... Um, would you keep Ojo if the opportunity came around? I think Burke's out of contract in the summer, possibly. Freeman, you know, where's your head at? I know Kai's a big fan of Shea Ojo, so I know he mentioned him the other day. And he, I think he was impressed, Kai, with obviously how he was doing his recuperation after his injury back at the club as well. I mean, he could yeah. easily have gone back to Liverpool and just sacked it off and just, you know, saw out the rest of the season even potentially. But he seemed eager to play through his contract almost, it felt like. I think you told me the other day. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, you know, Liverpool, there's probably no secret Liverpool training ground. What it what Millwall training ground is in terms of glamorous the equipment there, but to choose to stay at Millwall, I know we still had eight games to go, and he's still there's still plenty of time for him to show what he's got. But I think it would have been quite easy for him maybe to go back there and then come back for the last eight games, not really knowing what the team's doing. You know, it's just good to see that connection maybe between the players. I think that connection players always talk about the the Millwall dressing room being one of the best they've ever been in. Yeah. And I think when players do stuff like that and want to stay, it backs it up. Because if you didn't want to, if you didn't like the change room or dressing room, you go back to Liverpool, who, as I said, no doubt have a, have a much more glamorous training training ground. Um, so I like, I really like Ojo. I think he, he's very clever. As you said, just before he was get, just before he got injured, he was just starting to show what it was about. He's got really quick feet. He, you know, sometimes for, for my like, he doesn't run as he doesn't maybe show that burst of pace. Up, I think I think he has, but he draws players into committing so many fouls on, on him because he's his feet is so quick. And he, if you don't get it right, you're going to bring him down. And yeah, we, we get fouls. But I'm hoping to see us get more penalties as well when he comes back in. Just a quick feet in the box. And I'd like to see him add a bit more scoring touch as well. Because I think I think he can yeah. do it more hard if he was he, he had quite a good eye for goal. I think the big one for me is, um, sorry, Joe, is uh, Daniel sorry. Ballard. That's, yeah. that's the one for me, oh. Daniel Ballard. I don't know. be interesting what happens with him next season. I, I can't see him getting a Premier League move. I don't think he's had a full season at, at, at the whip, so to speak, and playing week in, week out. So I, I do think maybe development for him will be a championship again. But do, do you see, mate, I know Jobs are cutting there, do you think Ballard will be here next season? Is that someone that, do you reckon he'd want to stick around for another season? I, I personally, I, mean, I, I rate Ballard. I mean, what was great is he come in when Hutchison was injured. I don't think he was quite 100% fit, was he? Um, but he still played fantastically well. And I think each game that he's been back, he's just got better and better. He's getting fitter and fitter. What's really interesting with Ballard is um, last season, I think he was like player of the year for Blackpool. I'm sure Kyle will probably know that, if that's right or wrong. Um, okay. Done really well there. Stepped up uh, a league to the championship. Done really well in the championship. I don't think he's, and I mean this with the utmost respect, I don't think he's quite good enough to play for Arsenal or even play for any sort of top premiership team. Um, as good as he is as a defender, I think in the Premier League, especially at that level, you're looking at the top four, top six teams, you've got to be technically a very, very good uh, player with a ball at your feet. You've got to be a ball-playing defender. And although he's not terrible with the ball at his feet, I don't think he's quite at the level where you need to be at. So, you know, can you see him break into the Arsenal team? I don't think that's going to happen in the next sort of couple of seasons. Um, will it ever happen? I don't know. He could do another year at Mill, probably yes, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised we see him back again for another season next season. The player that I was most impressed with um, up until he got injured was Burke. Um, you know, he wasn't quite successful as in scoring goals or creating many um, assists or anything, but he was dangerous. He was lively. He was His speed was, was rapid. Um, and you just kind of felt that as soon as he gets that first goal, he'll be on, on a roll. You know, and he'd be a real good outlet for us. Um, of course, he got injured 
and um, it's, it's a real shame. But I think he's coming back um, over the next sort of couple of weeks. I think I read somewhere. Um, a phobia is an interesting one because I think he's a bit of a crowd pleaser. It sounds like everywhere he's gone alone, every team has always loved him. Um, he's always played to the fans. He's always shown a lot of passion. He's always played for the shirt, for the badge. He does that at Millwall, and the fans really, really support him, which is great. He's a bit of a confidence player. I think you've got to sing his name, chart him to kind of get him playing. When he come back recently, I don't think he's quite match fit. And I go and watch Millwall with my older son, and um, he was saying to me, Dad, Dad, I don't know why you know, why bother with for Phoebe? You know, we should let him go in the season. Why should we even think about him signing him? But after two or three games, once you kind of feel that he kind of healed from his injuries, and I think it showed in the last match um, against uh, Huddersfield, uh, you, you can see what the player can do. You know, yes, he's not going to be prolific in front of goal, but if you're a defender and he's on song, he'll probably be one of the worst players you want to play against. If he's very physical, you know, he he, he, he creates space for others. He gets in, in areas, he, he creates his chances. Um, so... I agree with what Chris is saying. If we can get him on a cheat, if he's willing to take a bit of a pay cut on the wages, I think he'd be a good signing for Millwall. If he wants top money, it means us having to you know, break the bank for him. I don't think it'd be a wise move for us. Go on, Chris. No, I, I agree. I, I also think with a phobie that going back to what we were saying earlier about the way we play football and the way our tactics are, are we really going to be able to attract a striker that we all want, which is a 20, 25-goal-a-season striker? Because they've got to do a lot of dirty work to play for Millwall in this system. They have got to do a lot of pressing. They've got to do a lot of you know, running the channels and things like that. So we could do a lot worse, I think, is what I would say about a phobie. Um, so I, 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 guess, I guess we'll see where that ends up. But I just want to come back to Ballard because one of the things that I'm really impressed with Ballard is, let's face it, he is... 22, I think he is. 22-year-old coming from Arsenal. But his attitude and the way he's, for me, the way he's kind of presented himself has been has not been of some sort of flash 22-year-old that's come from Arsenal. And he's really kind of got to grit. He's a, he's a Millwall-type player, I think, like in terms of the way he approaches the game, the way he goes in with tackles and the way he does things. So I, um, I think Ballard's got a, a really bright future. Will he ever play for Arsenal? Probably not. And he probably knows that. But um, he playing the Premier League for someone, yes. Um, but I'd love, I'd love to get him back next year for uh, another year. I think he'd do really, really well. And if we're going to continue to play three at the back, he can either slot in on the right hand side or in the centre. I think it's Chris, fine there. Your point. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. That point you mentioned just before that about the system that we play in, uh, as, as as attackers. What is our system? Because one minute we're sort of playing with three up front with. Yeah, a central point of someone like a phobia in the middle with the two wingers. Then with the injuries, um, again, Rowett had to kind of almost adjust and adapt to the players that are available. And he kind of created the system where he played Jed behind the front two. And that really worked. But to play that system, you can't really have a poacher playing up front. You almost need um, like an advanced forward or a, a winger type player, like a Bennett and a Bury or a Burke, that's got the pace to get in behind players maybe get into the channels and, and, and work so you know a 22 20 20 20 plus goal scorer um will probably be playing more of a kind of central role so to attract sort of player we, we then have to change the system yeah. to fit around this so has right actually worked out i think he's, he's quite worked out he wants to play with a back three back five i think he enjoys playing with the two midfields but the the, the, the attacking bit has he kind of worked it out yet is he does he want to play 
a number 10 behind the front two? Does he want to play a front three? Maybe he wants to adapt. Where do you see is our best tactical approach going forward? Um, I mean, that, that to me is something that I have actually seen change over the, over the course of the season because I, I remember towards the start of the season, we would have our two fullbacks, Malone, McNamara, and then we'd have two wide players. And I almost felt they were kind of in each other's way at times. You're right. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I just, it just wasn't working for me. What he's now done is, although he's still playing kind of, I won't call them strikers, I'll call them forwards in the, in the kind of modern lingo, if you like. Yeah. But they're playing slightly closer together. Um, yeah. So, and then, and obviously you've got Jed just behind it. And then obviously when Ojo comes back, he was playing in that position just before, that kind of free roll and, and sort of finding that mm. space. It's interesting to see what he does with Ojo coming back. So I think you're right. I think Rowett has found, uh, and whether that's by accident and luck or whether that's just, I, I don't know. And, mm. you know, we'll take it, of course. But I think he has found a way in which he likes to play. Um, I just, the only thing I would like him to do, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Omar, is like, at times at home, and at the moment, we can't complain because I think we've now won five and drawn two of our last seven home games, right? So we can't complain. But at home, sometimes I wish he would just go forward at back and just uh, just sort of give it a little bit more, you know, not be so rigid in his in his, in his formation. I agree. I, I do think, but like you say, we can't knock it because at the end of the day, he's doing the business. And we're ne- I don't think we're going to, at this level anyway, unless we recruit really well next summer and it moves on, we're never going to play teams off the park. But what I would say is obviously like there is a time and need sometimes. I think Middlesbrough game is probably a good example of it where you want a bit of millwallness to it. You know, you, you want Ben Thompson suddenly in the middle, busy around there. Or Jimmy Abdu, for example, like kind of putting the work in and just getting the fans going. And there is times where you think if we just was on the front foot here and went for it, we could probably roll teams over. But like I said, that you can't really knock it in the, the day. But I do agree with you. There is times where you could just kind of throw the kitchen sink at it. But End of the day, we're doing the business, I suppose, at least at the moment. <laughs> Kai? Mute. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I've been Bingo. the first one, no. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, mate. At least I'm not the first, and at least, uh, you know, I- I'm not going to do it, but, yeah, Christ, come oh, on. No. <laughs> oh, no, I was the first, actually, I think, at the beginning. <laughs> You have it. You pre-show. Was yeah. that pre-show? Let, let, yeah. Let's go. Let's start again. Kai, your thoughts to end this part one on on what's just been said, obviously about the formations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, I think I think I agree with both both Chris and Omar. But I think at the same time, the five at the back. I think it depends how you utilize it with the with the wing backs. If you use it right, the wing backs just get so high. And you can, Scott Malone, obviously, that was so good against Huddersfield. I thought he ran Sorbet Thomas absolutely ragged that night. And obviously, Danny shows how, how, forward he, how far forward he can get. And Danny hasn't actually scored yet. But every game that goes by, he looks closer and closer to scoring. Just because every, he gets so, he gets so you know, in such advanced areas. And I think if you use them well enough, you can really create an overload uh, wide, wide of the pitch. And if you do that, then it obviously gives more space because players are coming out wide. It gives you more space in the middle for players like Bennett, Bennett and maybe Burke or Jed, whoever is in there to, to get in the box for, for, for headers or finishes. So it depends how you use it. But again, then again, I, I agree with what, I, what you both said as well about four, 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 four at the back. It'd be nice to see us maybe take it, you know, lose that defender and just go for it and maybe overload them more in the middle 
maybe that would work as well. So I reckon both of them could work. But yeah, it depends how you play them, I guess. You really want to be there, don't you? Sorry, I did say. Um, you really want to be there when um, Danny Matt scores his first goal for me all, don't you? Like you just want to, you, you can imagine the pandemonium <clears throat> in the stands. I had that kind of thing of when um, Sid Nelson was playing for us because you want to be there when Sid Nelson scored his first goal for me all. I felt <laughs> like, and I think Danny Matt's a similar one where you, you don't know what he's going to do with himself when he scores for me all because you know a Mill fan scoring a, a goal at Mill all. That's that is like the the top what you want as a Mill fan in the stands watching it at the den. That's for sure. That's it. And that, that brings us on to a lovely um, crescendo to be able to end on part one. We'll be back continuing our conversation with um, with Danny Mack. Uh, but yeah, please join us. <laughs> right, that's it of part one. I'm now going to do something what you probably really shouldn't do. Um, I'm going to advertise a rival podcast and play a clip from an upcoming episode of a rival podcast. Uh, that podcast is Wall Talk, and they have done a special show uh, remembering Paul Jiggins. Um, Paul Jiggins, I wasn't best mates with him. Uh, I didn't really know him. I knew him to say hello to, and I knew him to give him a nod at away games, etc., etc. But Paul Jiggins' help uh, during the regen battle, uh, the AMS battle, um, was second to none. Um, he stayed in the shadows and the advice, the guidance, the help uh, he gave, especially when we decided to stand a candidate in a general election, um, was fantastic. So for the next couple of minutes, you're going to hear the advert, what Millwall put out for their wall talk. And remember, um, if you do want to listen to that, you can go on to Millwall and search wall talk under your podcast provider or just look in the show notes below and uh, we will be including a link in there. So the next voice you hear will be Max um, telling you about their upcoming episode for Wall Talk. And we'll be back after that. Hello and welcome to our brand new show, Wall Talk, the official podcast of Millwall Football Club, direct from SC16. And a new signing for us here at The Den. Joining us is Paul Jiggins from The Sun and a regular guest, on Talk Sport. I think in February I celebrate my 39th anniversary of my first Millwall match, which is quite remarkable. You know, I must be the only person to have gone there 15 years before I was born. New message. Hey man, it's Devin. You know, from that time you accidentally emailed me because you thought I was. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. was a different Devin. <laughs> oh, and your email signature said confidential. If you receive this in error, please delete. <laughs> That's so you. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat. When are we setting sail, Captain? <laughs> when you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Oh, and uh, no, you did not receive this message in error. <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. I say I'm being joined by Paul Jickens. It looks like a rather rough jiggo after your weekend of celebrations, yes. wasn't it, jiggo? I turned 50 yesterday. Happy birthday, jiggo. Happy Thank birthday. You, as know. young as 50. As young as 50, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 hang on, hang on. As a ginger, <laughs> I'm going to disagree with that. I must, I Bring back the snow. Bring back the overcast. How many could always go cheese and beans? If I ever had a jacket, yeah. which would butter. be just, just butter. Yeah, just butter. It's a bit, it's You're weird. It's That's yeah. weird. You're, you're <laughs> no, I've seen a spud. Literally. There's absolutely no point. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've never been to a spud, you like. <laughs> now you know why. Uh, <laughs> it's been a mental summer, hasn't it? Yeah. Been too long as well. I know, I know. I've, I've missed you. I didn't think oh, I would, but I've missed you. Any more Chineses? No. Talking about you, you went to Seville over the summer. Can't you tell by my tan? Although, to be fair, that's coming off that fucking right. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> melting with this. Fellow in a full uh, Millwall, just head to toe in the, the old yellow husky Millwall away kit. Thought he was, sort of, whereabouts in Burma's here, you from? Care? Spanish, mate. He, so I pulled up my arm, showed him a tattoo on my arm. He's then gone mental and showed me, spent the next 20 minutes watching, having to watch videos on his phone. So to get him on here, and for him to be so humble and not realise the impact he has had on generations of Millwall fans was fantastic for me. It's our first celebrity episode, Celebrity yeah, Wall Talk. Uh, yeah, I think... I've, Take I've, that, LO. Take I, that. I think that's mad. Uh, magazine, uh, up your ass. We're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, well, look. What do you do? What do you, I've got enough I've You got basically, enough you basically chest, eat so. a boiled potato. Fuck off. You can't be talking about me and a potato and you're, you're saying you're having butter on a jack of potato. Uh, Mark the coat as we now Mark the coat as, as, uh, as Chopper was calling him and then uh, for his love of Neil Warnock he mentioned him every episode yeah, well, I apologise <laughs> he was I always on my mind I'd probably go back for my, my first goalkeeper yeah. I remember saw it seeing regularly with Paul Sanson and just like the Den will next season and the Den always has done you know 10,000 and here is equatable to yeah. no, uh, 30,000 yeah, elsewhere I would say that was undoubtedly, certainly the semi-final win was probably the greatest day of my life. And I include becoming a father in that. Because... like Mrs. Jiggins isn't listening. No, I, no she knows already. Um, I'll explain why. Because I always had an idea one day that Millwall... Sorry, that I'd become a father. Which, looking at me, I know you're thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be quite so sure. You know, you, you had a bit of confidence, a bit, bit overconfidence there. But I never, ever dreamt that Millwall would get to... And yeah, FA Cup true. final. Growing up, the best one was the worst. Moral, one. Moral. No one had touched Moral. No, that's yeah. the only reason I met you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's scared of him. That's Never right. care your chicken, son. Every Millwall fan knows that. How much do you love Walsall? <laughs> that's a very strange question, mate. Especially, when, especially you seem to be sitting closer to me and looking me straight in the eye. You've made me quite unnerving. I can't believe you've gone for the muggy answer there because you'd love to text me about Walsall, potential guests and future ideas. You've come up with yeah. a very good Christmas one. So don't oh, pretend like you don't love it. Oh, mate, of course I love We're almost pals there. Yeah. Nearly. Almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. Oh, I'm just showing you the love. Getting thrown back in my face, not for the first time. Welcome back to part two. 
it's not been a bad show so far. I think part one was quite quite good. The two new ho- the two new guests have uh, have seemed to perform, so they've broken their virginity, they've broken their cherry, whichever way you want to call it. And uh, yeah, I think uh, we'll have to do a Twitter poll now to see who gets the job and who gets fired. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. One for you boys to get your teeth into now, and I think it's one which has been highly discussed amongst many, many Millwall fans um, over this season. Danny Mack or Leonard at right back? We'll start with you, Chris. Um, I, I love Danny Mack. I, I think he's absolutely superb, and I, I still don't get why he's not been called up to the Republic of Ireland squad. I, I see a lot of tweets about why he should be. Um, I think he he's very consistent um, and he's he's also improved throughout the season. Um, I do want to see him add some more numbers to his game. And I, I think Rowe actually said that. Like, I don't, obviously he's not scored yet. We want to see him score uh, and, and have a few more assists and things. Um, I personally prefer him because I think he's more attack-minded. Um, however, I love Leonard. I, I I think Leonard is a fantastic player to have in your squad because he can play centre mid, right mid, right back, right wing back, centre back. Um, I think he can do a great job. He's a little bit injury prone. I think he's had now two quite significant injuries since he's been with us. But I think he's a real 100%er um, and I really quite like him. If it was down to me, I'd have Danny Mack though um, at right back. And I I, um, I see him being our right back for... For, for quite some time. And it's it's good to have competition at the end of the day. I think we need competition for places, particularly if we're gonna we're gonna move forward. So Danny Mac for me, but Joe, what do you think? Um I, I agree with everything you said there. Um one thing I've really noticed is for me, you know, there's been a lot of top performances this season, certainly the last sort of eight games or so, but the two players that really stood out for me, and I'm quite proud of it because they're real youngsters, is uh, Mitchell and Danny Mac. And I don't think they will be playing to the levels they're playing at the moment if it wasn't for the fact they're getting game time and consistently playing week in, week out. And you can see it every week. They're throwing confidence. Been Mitchell the last two or three games. It's been brilliant. Um, equally so is Danny Mack. Um, Danny Mack is great going forward. I think he drives forward. You're right. He probably doesn't quite get the numbers or the stats for the assists or, or, or goals. But what you see him do defensively is brilliantly. I mean, his tackles is like a proper old-school mill defender-type tackle, and it really gets the fans going, you know, and uh, he knows how. To, we knows what the, what the mill fans want. Uh, with regards to Leonard, I rate Leonard. I really like Leonard. I see him as a bit more of a utility player. So he's the sort of player who will probably give you seven or eight out of ten, you know, most, most games, whereas Danny Matt will probably give you a nine on occasions. Um, you're right, Leonard could play centre-back, he could play right wing-back, he could play midfield. I think with the international break, the boys will have a well earn rest. Hopefully we'll come back feeling a lot more fresher uh, for the Luton game. And I think out of loyalty, Rowett has to stick with the same team that's got him where he is now. Now, if there's a run of games when suddenly, you know, McNamara or Mitchell or whoever it might be are, are really struggling and, you know, need a bit of a rest, then, then yes, bring Leonard in then, you know, or get him on the last 15 minutes, maybe give McNamara a bit of a rest. But I don't think you can pull McNamara out and then put Leonard in. Although they do a good job for you, I just don't think it's you know, the right thing to do. I think you've got to stick by your players, give them that uh, opportunity to kind of flourish and, and continue to develop. Danny Mack's an interesting one, I think. And I think um, it is weird that at the start of the season, he had the, he had the shirt, then he came out for a few games with Leonard playing. And that is back to the question of why is he preferring Leonard at right wing back? I think um, Leonard does a job anyway. And I think that's probably why he gets put into these positions where 
Right, guys, I'll, I'll give him the I'll give him the nod because he's reliable. But I think you're right when you said about Danny Mac. He can give you a nine out of ten some games, and that's probably what Leonard is not going to do in that position because he's not a natural right wing back either. But I think with Leonard, this yeah, you're right. He's a utility man, plays centre half and does a job. Right wing back does a job. But I think it is it's a, it does raise your eyebrows a little bit. Like the last eight games, like you said in that run where um, Mitchell and Matt are the best players. You could argue start of season Mitchell didn't have the shirt start of season either, and right. injuries have kind of forced this to happen. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're in and they're holding it down on their own. And and you can't knock that, can you, Joe? I think that that is ultimately what it is. Like they got the yeah. opportunity and coming and took it, haven't they? Well, that's it, and that's what you want from to do. If they didn't take the opportunity, they didn't play to the levels they're playing at, then you say, well, you know what, it's an opportunity wasted. But the fact that they've taken the opportunity, they're really grinding confidence. They're really you know, claiming that position and claiming that 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 shirt, um, I think it's really unfair to bring you know Leonard in there at right wing back instead of McNamara. And equally, I wouldn't feel that George Evans or Key for anyone else, or even Leonard for that reason, should take Mitchell's um, place or even Savile. I think the two of them in the last few games have really struck up a really great partnership in midfield. No, definitely. I think I, what I was going to say is that. We're talking about in, going back to injuries and how injuries have sort of forced his hand. What was interesting with with Gary, what he said, is that had Leonard not got injured before that Bournemouth match back in November, he was going to start Dan. Uh, he's going to start Leonard, and he said that Leonard was his first choice right back up until then because he thought he'd been playing well and he wanted to continue playing him. But I think that's where it's. I think that's where it's tough, isn't it? When a player's playing well, it's really difficult to play take him out. But Danny almost disappeared from the squad, didn't he? I, th- I don't think he was in the squad for a couple of games. And the question was, what, where, where is he injured? No, he just, you know, we're playing, we're playing a few more attackers. You did notice there's an extra couple of attackers on the bench. But I think when you've got a player available like Danny, who's fit to play in his, in his actual position, you've got to play someone in, in their actual position over someone that's a utility player. If, if you know, Billy gets injured and Le- Leonard's there, you wouldn't suddenly put Danny at midfield, would you? You'd, pl- you'd put Leonard in midfield. So... Mm. Don't you know? There's. I know he can play there, but he did a good job. In fairness to him, but I think there was a maybe a slight, slight difference in maybe opinion, um, maybe in that from from Gary. But hopefully, Danny's now turned that around. Mickey, what was your thoughts? Oh, look, Danny Mack all day long. I think Danny Mack is 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 underappreciated. To be fair, to a degree, I think the problem we've got, which I'll throw a spanner in the works to get you four off with it again, is uh, obviously source. We've got a source close to us who's who's been talking to us who thinks that um, Leonard, as soon as he's fit, will take over that right-back position um, over Danny Mack. Um, and also you've got to look at why is Danny Mack got a year left on his contract and allegedly contract negotiations haven't even started yet. Um, I know there's a year away, but to me... The way Danny Mack is, he's a Millwall fan. He wants to play for his, you know, his dream club, which is Millwall. Why aren't we signing him up? He's only young. Why aren't we signing him up on a two, three-year contract to be able to get him going? So my 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 thing to you boys is, um, is Rarick's relationship with Ryan Leonard better than it is um, with Danny Mack? And will... Will that position? I, I honestly think Ryan Leonard's fit tomorrow. Ryan Leonard is playing right back, as what Kai said. He he said it back in November, um, and I think according to to my sources, um, that's what it is. And also, do you think it's criminal that a player, the you know, the player of the level of Danny Mac is and the age he is, 
that we're not tying him up on a long-term contract, even if you don't want him, just to stop oppositions being able to get him and let's make a few quid out of him um, going forward. So, look, I'll throw it open to whichever one wants to come in first. Is I think Ryan Leonard will play right back over him. And um, do you think it's criminal that Danny Mac hasn't been offered a new contract? So we go you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping now, because November was quite a long time ago in football terms. And, and obviously, Danny Mac has now come in and performed very, very well. And I'm hoping now that <clears throat> even if Leonard is available for selection after for the Luton game, for example, he's not going to be fully match fit. So we've only got eight games. I'd like to think that it won't be a simple case of Danny Mac out, Leonard in. I think you might try and in incorporate Leonard into the squad a bit more, give him 10, 15 minutes here and there. Um, but I guess we'll see. So I I'm hopeful that that won't be the case, um, depending on obviously what the sources say. So that's that's the first point. The second point for me, and it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about earlier. If you look at our current squad, what players have resale value? And Danny Mac, on a long-term contract, is absolutely one of them. He's he's a player that, for me, when I look at um, what what players do we have that could get in other top half championship club championship teams, Danny Mac is one of them. And I don't think we have many, which is why I always think I hate. I know a lot of Millwall fans hate hate saying it. We are punching above our weight because I think there's a lot of players that we have that wouldn't necessarily get into other top 10 clubs. So I think it is criminal that we're not starting these negotiations. I did read something a little while ago that he hasn't started negotiations with anyone and that's something that's going to wait till the summer. So I'm hoping it's just a case of that and in the summer, the three-year contract comes out. But um, yeah, uh, Kai, what do you think? No, I think I think you're right. I think that, that statement was about Conor Mahoney, wasn't it, I think? Uh, the one where it won't yes. start until... Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I, I'm sort of thinking that maybe they haven't started it yet because Harvey Bustle only maybe left and obviously Aldo's only just come in. Maybe it's a little bit of a trans, maybe a transition period with both of them. Sort of one, one sort of learning his new role, the other one's gone. Maybe in a, maybe a couple of weeks when he's maybe settled in again. Maybe you never know. Maybe he'll start it again. That's maybe that's my thoughts. But I, I mean, I really hope Danny stays. And this, yeah, as Mickey said, it'd be criminal to to let him go, wouldn't it? Or or just you know not sign him again. Uh, but, but why leave it so so late though? I mean, they left it quite late with, with Jed, didn't they? And they, you know, there's a few players that do that now. Well, rather than like Chris said, tie them up to a long-term contract, especially when they're quite young at an early stage. Why leave it till later, later as possible? Because the longer you leave it, you're giving the player the power to pick and choose what they want to do. And of course, they'll probably be wanting a bigger contract if they're playing really well. Um, yeah, Danny Mack, I'd be very surprised if he's not playing the Premiership in three years' time, yeah, you know that's with us or with, without us. So if it's not with us, do we want him to leave on a free like Jed's going to do potentially this summer, or do we want to get a decent sum of money for him? And the only way we can get the money for him is if we tie him into a four-year deal or a five-year deal that hopefully will cover him for the next few years and then sell him. You know, and, and, and as much as I wouldn't, wouldn't want to see him go, come back to your point, Chris, about resale value. We need players like this. Time is long contracts to sell them. Do what Brentford does: sell these players off, make some money, replace them. You know, put Leonard in then. You know, if you let Danny Mac go for five million or six million or whatever it might be, hopefully a bit more. Um, but unless you time to long long term deals, 
um, it's not going to be sustainable, is it, for, for me all? We need to kind of be thinking a bit more uh, ahead. What do you think, Omar? I think um, with that one, you're right. I think also maybe with Danny Mac, it's a different scenario because he's a Mill fan and you wouldn't think he'd... If you wait till the summer, then hopefully you, you get a deal done quite easily. But if, if the player's playing well and they say they've got ulterior motives and they're only here losing us as a stopgap, which I'm sure players try to do so when they're in the championship, then you're kind of shoehorning yourself into position, like you said there, Joe, where they might demand a bit more money or then you put yourself in, on the back foot a little bit. And you've got to think, like, if he's, what, Damat's 23, 24 years old and he's playing out of his skin at the minute, just give him a contract and get it done now and just put exactly. any uncertainty away from it. And I guess it does raise the question of, does right fancy him? But then ultimately, if you've got Aldo there to pull the strings and, you know, say this is the players we want, you've got to just get him signed up and get him on a long-term contract because these are the players you want in the club to build for the long-term future, I have to say. I agree. And I think the way Danny Mac is now, he's potentially going to be a five, six million pound player. Um, potentially, if he carries on playing like he is for another season, he's potentially going to push that figure up. And surely that's a figure that he and the club would potentially want coming into the club for him to forward his football career to go into a, a premiership team. Because I think there's something in Danny Mac going forward. I think he is a player there. But I just, under what, what, what we're hearing from a source who's quite well connected, allegedly, it's a very concerning affair that he's not being spoken to um, and he doesn't, it doesn't seem to possibly have a great relationship um, with the management at the moment, but hey ho, we we'll see where we go from there. So, gents, let's um, we're coming to the towards the end of side of all of this. So let's we'll start with you, Joe. Um, I forwarded you all um, the Middlesbrough um, newspaper article about your end of season predictions. I'm the only one who's actually, I think, maybe Kai. I was the only one who put Mill into the potential playoffs of 74 points. Uh, we've done a varied few between us, and it's and it's quite a good thing. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you want to have a go at it, we will uh, check out the show notes and you'll find the link um, so you can do it yourself and then just copy us in across socials and, and let's see what you've worked it out as as well. But we'll go with you, Joe. Your um, top six finishers... Um, and obviously, if Millwall's not in that top six, where do you put Millwall? So, uh, okay, no so I no, exactly. I, I try to be, um, you know, as, as non biased as, as I can. I looked at the fixtures and the games, and typically with Millwall, we, we play really, really well against the top sides. Um, we don't do as well, I feel, against the lower, lower teams. I think a reason behind that is where we're a counter attacking team. And we've seen it at the Den quite often when teams just sit back and they, and they play for the draw and we lack the creativity to kind of get in and, and create chances. We struggle, whereas good teams are coming to attack us where we're playing home and away, it really suits us. So looking at the uh, the games, last eight games coming up, there's a few purple ones in there where I'll probably put us down for a draw rather than a win because I just, I just see it being, being a tough game. So my prediction, um, I'm sorry to say, was Mill finish eighth which is Rowett's um, best finish so far, and I think Harris as well. Um, that being said, I predict that we'll finish with 72 points, which would be only one point behind Sheffield United in six. Um, and above Sheffield United, I've got Nottingham Forest at 77, Middlesbrough 78, Luton 78, and then, of course, Fulham and Bournemouth 
running wave at the top. Um, what's interesting as well, I looked into this in the last 10 seasons, the average um, top six, uh, six um, spot was about 74 points. So we're running kind of two points in my prediction, short of where we need to be to, to follow, qualify for a sixth spot. Um, so that being said, I think we will get close to it. Um, and it'll probably go down to the last game against Bournemouth away. And it's a game we probably need to win. And we'll probably lose that one. Because I think Bournemouth would, 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 would be up by then. Um, they'll probably play with more confidence and just kick the ball about. And, you know, unfortunately, sorry to say it, I think typical Millwall would probably would just, yeah, mess up probably right at, right at the very, very end, unfortunately. Yeah, I've gone for the same. I'm not. I'm not actually quite sure. When I did it, I'm not actually quite sure how we haven't made the playoffs with my predictions. I think I've gone for too many wins for the. I've, I've got us down to 74 points and finish eighth. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure how I've done that. But basically, I've got Fulham and Bournemouth to run away with it. Fulham 99 points. Um, Borough uh, 79. Forest 78. Luton 77. Huddersfield 76. And then QPR on same points as us, but 74. Us in eight seventy four, and then Sheffield United seventy two. Um, but no, I think I think if we do get seventy four points, I think we'll make the playoffs. I, mean, I think that's probably. I'm not quite sure what I was doing with the other teams, but I've obviously gone for them to win most of their games because I'm not. I'm not sure they, they've already got a head start on us. And you've I'll, asked us to Mickey to predict the unpre- most unpredictable league in the country, in the probably in the world <laughs> or in Europe well, as well. Like you, you can't, you can't predict the championship, and that is ultimately it's a bit of fun, isn't it? But like, this is it. Like, it like, is it's, a bit of fun. I'm not going to hold it to yeah. it, but it'll be good to get to the end of the season and maybe we'll yeah. bring us all back and we'll have another one and we'll look at these and see where we are. Definitely. I mean, look, you know, uh, I mean, we'll go with you, Chris, next. Um, and then obviously we go to you, Omar, and then I'll, I'll read out my top 10 and then see where we are. But we're very similar on, on point tallies, not necessarily in the positions, um, but we are very close on the points tallies. So, you know, we've worked out what's what. So, yeah, we'll go to you, Chris. Where, where where are yours and and how, how are your standings? Yeah, so I've got to finish on 72 points. So I think that's 15 points from where we are now of a possible 24, um, which is a respectable tally. I just thought we'll win most of our home games um, and, we, you know, maybe pick up a win at Birmingham or something like that. We we, we sometimes do well there. The, the four I've got in the playoffs are Forest, Borough, Luton and Sheffield United. Um, and I've got us, Huddersfield and Blackburn all on 72 points. So goal difference depicts whether we finish 7th or ninth. I think, look, we all want to see us in the playoffs. Um, and, um, you know, I think 74 points would get us there. Uh, so uh, I think we probably need six wins out of our last eight games, which is a, is a tall order. But it's not impossible if we can keep the form up that we, we had in before the Stoke game. Um, but I think we finish anywhere in the top 10. For me, I, I would deem it as a success. Um, of course, we want to be in the playoffs. But I think a top 10 finish... Given the injuries we've had, uh, the budgets and things like that, I think it would be a would be a successful thing. The only thing I kind of want to float as well uh, is if Luton can do it, why can't we? And that's something that really frustrates me because I guarantee you we've got a bigger budget than them, um, and it's really interesting we play them next. And to me, I'm not saying it's a must win; it's a must not lose for us. I think I think we have to get something from that game. I'd love to see us go for the juggler and try and win it. Um, but, um, yeah, 
Omar, I don't know what you think about the, about Luton and the, and, the, and the next game and the points. I think we've all got Luton finishing the playoffs, haven't we? I'm pretty sure. Like, and that's uh, mad to think at the start of the season. I think if Luton would have come in the playoffs, you would have thought how they've done that. But I think that just kind of shows how a like, young, hungry coach Nathan Jones has got them all kind of singing in the same direction. And I think we all agree with that. I, I've got an actual, actual humdinger of a finish of the season on my table. because so I've got from 5th to 10th separated by one point. And I don't know how I've done that. I don't know how that's ended up <laughs> being that way. But I've got Nottingham Forest and Luton, Huddersfield and us all on the same points. And on this logic here, it says we'll finish eighth. I'm not sure if that's based on goal difference or whatever. It probably would be the case, um, knowing our luck. If we miss out on goal difference, then we definitely need to score more goals next season, that's for sure. But yeah, I think it's, it'll be interesting if that was the case last day of the season. I do think it will go to the last game of the season. Whether or not we'll be in that discussion, who knows? I think... I hope to be that we're in that position where there's something to play for going to the last game. And nine games ago, I wouldn't have thought it would have been possible. So I think that's like, you've got to give the players credit for that and obviously the manager as well for that. Um, will we do it? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think, I think I've done similar. I think four wins, three draws, one defeat. I think we'll lose last game of the season at Bournemouth and that probably could be what will do us, I think. Um, but will we win four games? I think I've done four home wins, three draws and one defeat away. I mean, three draws away and one defeat away. That I think our way four is probably better than that, though. So maybe we might nick a 1-0 at Preston again. I think I fancy us to do the business there. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Go on, Mickey. Read us your predictions, mate. And what do you think we'll finish? Right. I've got finishing top of the league, Fulham on 99 points. Uh, Bournemouth on 88 points. QPR 83 in third place. Millwall in fourth, finishing on 79 play points. <laughs> Luton on fifth, finishing on 77 points. West Brom on 73 points. And then Nottingham Forest and Middlesbrough 7 and 8 on 72. Blackburn on 70. Huddersfield on 66. Playoff. 79 points. Is that five wins and three draws? Or yeah, it's 22 that... points out of 24. We need to have a better run than we had in the last eight games before Stoke. Listen, listen, listen. listen. This year is the 50-year anniversary of the 71-72 season where we just missed out. And then the following year, they put three up instead of two. And also, 78-79... We basically went on two mad runs where we had five on the bounce and a seven on the bounce. So, and again after Christmas. So I think we stand a chance. It's not impossible. Um, I think that, listen, you lot out there listening to me are going to call me a crazy cunt and fuck, you know, he's living in dreamland. I know I'm living in dreamland and I know that, you know, realistically, it ain't going to happen. But you know what? On on that, just thinking, yeah, they'll do it. Yep, they'll do it. Yep. I think that'll be a win. And, and doing other teams and trying to predict other teams' scores, you know, win, you know, win, home win, away win, draw. Um, wasn't easy to do, but hey ho, um, anything is possible in the championship, and it is a it is a league what is probably one of the closest ever um, it's been for years. And I would probably say that the championship is starting to team up as people are calling it Premiership Two, 
but I think that it's probably a more competitive league than the Premiership. Go on, Kai. You're going to take the piss off you go. No, I was Wait, I was going to say, who have we got to get relegated, actually, just before we... I, I, think I've, I think I've got Reading to stay up by three points, and I think I've got Derby, Peterborough... Who's the other team that's doomed? Come on, Barnsley. Oh, <laughs> and Barnsley, yeah, and Barnsley. Barnsley, I think, yeah. I think yeah. Army will, will survive. Yeah, they I, are I, doomed. I put Derby to survive by season. one point. By one point. Yeah. I've got um, Peterborough and Barnsley down. Uh, I think Reading will, will fall into the bottom three and Derby will just survive by one point. I'd love and Reading then, to down. Yeah, I think Derby <laughs> will survive. And then next season, they'll be hit with another points deduction because allegedly it's coming. And then I think that time, Rooney would just go, fuck this, I'm out. I'm out of the door. I'm going. Um, Take the Millwall instead. No, that's it. So, look, we're coming to the end. We're gonna, we've are gonna. got two points left. One is just a, a question more than a, a debate point. But this is definitely a debate point. Um, we'll start with Kai first. Your best moment of this season so far. Can be a game, can be a, a goal, can be a celebration, can be anything you want on the pitch, but it but so far this season, and you're only allowed one on this show. The end of the season show we do, you can have more, but this this show, it's just one point. One 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 moment. What is your moment, Kai Bennett? So I think nothing I don't say that. joining this don't join don't, don't say joining that Millwall podcast because we know that. Well, that obviously is... What an honour. What an honour. You know, we're, we're moving on from that one. Um, not, nothing beats that first day of the season, Jeb Wallace one. You know, when, you know, when he comes running back to the fans, oh, wow, I just... honestly, like keep you away, was it? That yeah, keep you away first bastard. day of the season. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just absolutely loved it. Well, have you, was that your one? Well, I was going to say just going back to games, but I'll, I'll change my God. You finish your point. <laughs> no more. It's not his... And by the way, none of you can repeat. So, yeah, no, that one, I mean, just the celebrations when he comes running back. I didn't expect him to come running back. Obviously, when they score, they normally go over, you know, and celebrate in the corner over there. But the way he's come running back, I mean, Gary did actually criticise it after the match. I said he actually used up a bit of his energy, which was quite funny, actually. But I think that, I think after the game, you could see how speechless Jeb was with that moment. And, yeah, I thought that was probably, that was that was probably most, my, my most special um, moment of the season but obviously hopefully there'll be more special moments to come this season Absolutely Who wants to go next? Go on in Chris um, oh, your, 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 your fingers crossed basically where you're oh my god so yeah go on off you go. <laughs> No so I, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit and I'm going to I'm going to talk about a moment but also talk about a player Um and uh, Murray Wallace doing Cruyff turns. I, I forget what game <laughs> quite recently. Um, but um, no, I, I think the uh, the Huddersfield game, I know it's recent, but I think that the, the performance against Huddersfield was superb and set a benchmark and a blueprint for how we should be performing at this level. Um, but I, I just want to go off a tangent a little bit and just say that I think Murray Wallace has been absolutely outstanding this season. And for me, he gets my player of the season vote. And um, he, he's, he's added ability to sort of play a bit as well he's so dependable where he's at the left of three center backs or left wing back so I'll, I'll give Murray Wallace my moment of the season when he was uh, I don't know if it was against might have been against all but Thomas Etcher or was it Isaiah Jones I, I don't know but he sort of uh uh turned Cruyff turned out of it and three times went back for, three times went back for more so that's going to be my moment because I love the bloke um and uh, I'm 
yeah, he's going to get my player of season. Good shout. I think I have to agree with you there. I'll, I'll step in now and just say mine quickly because yeah. mine is actually related to Murray Wallace and it was going to Barnsley away and getting that 90th minute winner. Um, we weren't great on the day, but him popping up and I think we just won, I think we won against Bristol City on the Tuesday and I was, I was like, that's it, I'm going. So then I got up there on Saturday and just, just to see him stick that winner in the last minute, that was what like, especially have not gone to away games for so long. Obviously QPR, like I said, was great to be there and stuff, but like getting that last minute winner away from home after being back from the pandemic, that that was just like ultimate moment for me of the season, I think. And yeah, obviously there's loads of moments, but I think that that one in particular sticks out for me. I was thinking it was going to be Forest away again, but still we're okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, go on in, Joe. Okay, so I just think what's left. So we've got QPR away, great, great opening game season. Murray Wallace with Croy turns. Um, what's yours, Gitter Emma? Barnsley away when he scored. Barnsley away. Yeah. Murray, Murray yeah. Um I would go with. Uh, you know what I'll go with? Quite an interesting one is um, it's pro- probably the, the Millwall QPR game because I think that was that turning point. Go back to what I said earlier in the show where something just clicked, and I think it was a bit by accident. You know, with, with Bury coming on and you know moving the players around a little bit and, and changing the system, and then. The way we, I think, from, I think Buren come on about half an hour in, didn't they? When Burkwood got injured, and we just looked a threat. You know, we were counter attacking, we were creating chances, um, and we just looked really good. Uh, and for for the first time in a very very long time, I actually enjoyed watching Millwall play. It wasn't like watching paint dry, you know, as it was previously to that. It wasn't defensive football; it was attacking football. It was free flowing, um, you know, and, and I actually enjoyed enjoyed the game so for me that was my my moment i mean i, I agree with with you guys as well with your ones but if i had to pick another one that would be that would be mine i'm not sure what mickey's is going to be but um also i was going to say i know we only have one mickey but the 20 bit spell gets stoke where we turned the game on its head and we went 4-4-2 i was like this is a glimmer of what we could do <laughs> and then we've seen it since a little bit and it's like obviously playing on the front foot but that 20 bit spell gets stoke when we turned it around to beat them was quite special as well i feel like mm. yeah Mine was mine's probably going to be a phobia score in a brace, to be fair, because yeah. you lot have robbed all the other games. Um, but <laughs> basically, that was a um, a point where all the phobia doubters just suddenly were conv- converted instantly. It just, I like it when a player comes out and and does something where you've had everyone slagging him off. And then all of a sudden, you just see all of those retreat back into going, oh, yeah, what a great player. He's always had it in him. Um, I think the only disappointing thing for that game is that he couldn't have scored a hat-trick. Um, yeah. That analogy you used, there, Or even more. That analogy you used, so it's buying it, is the Ryan Woods analogy. When Woods had one good game, it's like everyone's dissing him. And then one good game is when the people come out of the woods like, I told you he's amazing. Look at how he's put through. It's like, you can never please everyone, though, because that's the whole good thing about football. You know, everyone's got different opinions, haven't they? So that is and, that analogy. And also, like I've always said, Cooper is always a worthy bet. I think the bets hmm. this season where he scored is a, is a 12 to 1, a 14 to 1, and a 9 to 1. So, you know, um, is that with the score ending one nil, Mickey? Was it? Is that one nil yeah. win with Cooper score? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, and it's you know it's always been there. I mean, look, you know, we will definitely have you boys back at the end of the season, and we'll review all the games going going forwards. Um, the moment I'd like to just end with is a is a news newspaper article that came out this week, and I want 
just just a, a a quick 30 seconds reaction to it is do you think it's a mark of genius or do you think it's possibly um a strange move for a manager to say Rowett come out this week and said obviously the amount of money that's been spent on the new pitch at Millwall um has been laid too firm um I would have thought that specification would have been down to you um and the fact that you're paying all that money you you would have had everything they, they pretty much relayed all the pipe work relayed everything um so yeah my my question to you boys is start with you Kai uh is it a mark of genius to come out and say that or do you think it's just a a, a strange comment to come out and possibly signs of a manager who's potentially going in the summer or going in October that's uh, a, that's probably a joke for those of you who listen to me and Omar bitching quite regular. So, yeah. Um, no, I think he said that a couple of times. He said that a couple of months ago as well, to be fair. He said it in January at some point. I can't remember who it was. I think it might be in West Brom game. He said about it. Um, and he, he makes a good point in the way that the training ground is quite a soft pitch and the den is quite a hard pitch. So, readjusting to that that pitch is is difficult. And obviously, that most of the time, the tra- the injuries seem to be in training. So, maybe after a match day when they've worked really, really hard, you know, they've, they've expanded a lot of energy. They go back to on the training ground, and all of a sudden they pull something because they, you know, they maybe they haven't warmed up properly, or that that pitch is just not quite as the same as the den. I guess maybe they're readjusting, but I don't know. It's it's diff- it's a it's a weird comment at this stage of the season with eight games to go, but in a way it makes sense. But I'm a bit split in between in between the two. Um, if, if I could jump in there, I I although we could we could sort of you know. Not taking too seriously, I think there is a little bit, could be a little bit of truth there. Um, just talking from my own experience, I, I play vets football, you know, old, old people playing football. And um, of course, we're, we're succumbing to, to injuries quite frequently. But one thing I would say on a personal note is that we train on an old 3, 3G pitch that hasn't got the correct underlay. And it's quite a hard pitch. And myself personally and you know, my, my, my mates that we play with often get injured in training games because of the hard pitch and it could be like you know our, our quads hamstrings calves sometimes go in but we play on a nice 4g pitch in isha um and we don't seem to have many injuries so it's kind of reverse to what rowick's saying rowick's saying they train on a on a soft pitch play on a hard pitch where we train on a on a on a hard pitch play on a soft pitch but a lot of our injuries are in training after training or during training so I think there is a little bit of truth there. It's a shame, though, because the concept of the design of having this hybrid pitch at the den, which is fantastic when you think about it, you know, it's is it half grass, half artificial, um, which is which is brilliant. We can see why it costs much money. But um, there could be a little bit of truth there. And I don't know how they can change it. I think what Rowett was saying is, could we then change the training pitch and make that a little bit harder in order to get the, the right balance? For the for the players, because um, otherwise the the other alternative is to rip up the pitch again, then and make it go make, make it go a soft pitch. Um, and I think the, the point he was making there as well is that even the the opposition teams when they come they get injured on that pitch. And I think we've noticed it. I've seen it quite a few times. Players getting injured. So the point he's making, I think there could be some truth there a little bit. Chris. Yeah, I think I think there probably is an element of truth, to be honest. And and the the stats don't lie. The amount of injuries we've had this season. I know we laugh and joke, and but it is ridiculous, to be honest. The only thing, and it was going back to what Kai said, I just don't 
get why you would come out and say it. That's the bit I don't quite understand. I've always thought that Rowick actually speaks quite well um, and he comes across quite well in interviews. And when I saw this, and obviously I've only seen it written, I've not heard him say it, so context is key here. I just don't get why you would say it. I don't get what he's getting. No, nor do I. I don't, I don't understand why he came out of it either. That's all, because that's to me, if, if the pitch is hard, and as you said, Joe, that players who are coming here are getting injured too, you're sort of opening yourself up for potential lawsuit from away clubs to say, actually, the pitch could be... A, well, you, listen, we live in a crazy right. world now where you get sued for fucking anything. Do you know what mm. I mean? Um, yeah. You know, and... Is, is he protecting himself, maybe, Mickey? Do you, think, do you think he's protecting himself? You know, I, I've heard some Mill fans sort of almost ask the question, what the hell goes on in training? Is it the training yeah. methods? Yeah, are, are they working too hard, you know? And maybe is it his way of trying to justify that what he's doing is not wrong, yeah, and almost passing the blame? Yeah, maybe. Pitch, I mean, you know, I mean, it could have been a question to say, you know, are, are players training too hard? Yeah, and that's why they're being injured. And, and yeah. I agree with you. You know, until you can hear the audio, yeah, um, then yeah, you don't know. And let's be honest, so, Mickey, as well. I mean, quite often when they are getting injured, we're not hearing it. We're not hearing about them getting injured in training. We're seeing it in yeah, match yeah, days yeah. when yeah, they're yeah. getting injured. You know, yeah. It's a bit like Russian roulette now, isn't it? With with that, so, yeah. Omar, <laughs> your next. your your thoughts? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't truly know. I mean, it is an interesting comment to make, and I do agree with the pair of, of Chris and Kai there. Like, why come out and say that? But then, like you say, Mickey, it could have been out of context. Could have been another meaning to it, but it's written in a certain way, and it's come across that way. But yeah, I don't know. Footballers getting injured. It's it's just it's part and parcel of the game, but I do think it's the, the nature of the championship is that the games come thick and fast. But it is a, it's such a weird circumstance. I think it's only Billy Mitchell that's not had an injury this season, and you think like that's some going. And but to still be at that end of the, like in, in involved in the business, you got you got to wonder like if we had no injuries whatsoever this season, which is obviously impossible. But if we had a couple of injuries. Where would we be if we had a full fit mm. squad to pit for for the whole season? But if buts and maybes, I suppose, and you never truly know, I suppose. No, that's it. Well, look, I think that brings this to an end. This is a uh, around an hour and a half. Um, it is a round table show, and hopefully let us know if you've enjoyed and we will hopefully do some more. And if you want to take part in, in one of the upcoming ones, then do as these guys did, just drop us a DM and say, I quite fancy coming on. What do I need to do? It's as easy as that. Then you can have your live edition like these two are. And uh, as I said, one gets fired and one gets burned. So, um, you know, you won't see one of them again, but we'll leave that down to you. Maybe maybe we get uh, a poll going to see which one um, which one gets the job and which one don't. No, I'm joking. They're both good as gold. Uh, I'd like to say thank you very much to Joe for coming on. Um, is there anything you want to say before... I uh, I terminate, or are you okay? Yeah, I'm all good. Just, just thank you for having me. You know, really enjoyed it. Uh, love watching, listening to your shows, guys. Um, and yeah, just keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. And, and thank you, yeah, for everything you, you do for us each week. Do you know what? I feel like a bit like Ken Bruce now with um, his quiz on the thing. You go, well done for taking part. You've done fantastically well. <laughs> is there anyone you want to say hello to while you're on national radio, <laughs> Chris? Is there anyone you want to say hello to, or? Anything you want to say before we go? Uh, just say hello to me, mum. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. no, just uh, what Joe said. Thank you very much for having me. Really enjoyed it. And um, 
yeah, hopefully we'll we'll come back on here again. But thanks a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you've been great. Kai, thank you very much for taking part and um and turning up. No worries, mate. Thank you very much, Chris and Joe. It's been a good been a good episode. I've really enjoyed that. Thanks, guys. Omar. That was blinding, wasn't it? I, I quite enjoyed doing that. You? Yeah, definitely. I thought it's a good little discussion and great contributions for both Chris and Joe. And yeah, Kai's obviously always here. So cheers, Kai. <laughs> no, that's it. And so yeah, look, thanks very much for joining us. If you want to continue the debate and get across our social medias, um, we'll be tagging these guys in when we release the show across there. So uh, you, you're more than welcome to continue the debate across there. We've raised quite a few subjects, but hopefully we'll get you interested and want you to get into the debate. Uh, and we'd love to continue it forward. And again, if you've got anything you want to get to us directly, just drop us a DM. Uh, if you've got any inside information, anything like that, then yeah, drop us a DM and uh, we're happy to discuss. So yeah, thanks very much for joining us. That's the end of our first round table. Uh, you know what to do, like, subscribe, uh, all that bollocks. So thank you very much. And I'll speak to you again soon. Sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you I'm can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.